gentlemen, what up? Welcome back to episode four of Falling Hard. I'm your host, Sarah, and if you've been listening along this far, thank you so much. I am really pleased today to be sharing the first half of my conversation with my good friend Amy, talking all about her dating life in Toronto, how dating was or has been during the quarantine and the pandemic, some different tips on meeting people, on talking to people on dating apps, and thoughts on relationships and dynamics of male-female friendships, let's say. So before I share this conversation with all of you, I just do want to caveat one thing, which is that we recorded this conversation actually, when was it now? Uh, Certainly a few weeks ago, potentially a month or more ago. (laughs) I'm losing track of the time. But basically this was recorded pretty deep into the lockdown of the pandemic in Toronto. So Amy talks a little bit about not being able to really go out and see people properly or normally on dates and how everything is very, very strict and very socially distanced. And I think nowadays when you are all hearing this, um, things have gotten a little bit looser in a lot of places, Toronto included. So I think it's not quite as bad with um, the lockdown and everything. However, of course, I think everyone's still trying to be safe and smart and do good hygiene measures and be somewhat socially distanced. So just caveating that, that this was recorded a while ago. So the exact conditions of the pandemic and the lockdown may have changed since then. But yeah, other than that, I don't have too much else to say up front. So just going to get into this conversation that I recorded with Amy talking about what dating is like in Toronto or what it's like, what it's been like for her and some funny experiences of some bad first dates and her, her kind of outlook on quarantine dating and dating apps. And I also really enjoyed the deep turn that our conversation took at the end when we talk about the importance of being really confident in who you are and holding yourself to certain standards and having standards for the person that you want to be with. And how that can help you succeed in dating, if succeed is the appropriate word. So if you're interested in hearing what dating in Toronto is like as a single female in your mid-20s, keep on listening. Here we go. So would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself as an introduction? Yeah, for sure. So I'm Amy. I'm 27. I live in downtown Toronto. Um, I did my undergrad at Queen's University and my master's at Ryerson. I work in marketing in Toronto at a financial institution. Um, And yeah, have been single and dating in Toronto for the last five years. So pretty fun. Okay, great. Well, let's just dive right in. My first question for you is if you can just tell us a little bit about what you think it's like to date in Toronto in general. Um, I think dating in Toronto is, I feel like you have the same um, struggles that you would have in a lot of big cities that there's a lot of people and it's really easy to cycle through people. Um, And it's hard to find like somebody who you click with who also is like willing to have that commitment. So I have been on like Bumble and Hinge and Tinder, um, did Coffee Meets Bagel for a bit when that was a thing a few years ago. And I think it's just really hard to meet people online because everybody has their own kind of style of doing it. So there's a lot of people who will be like, hey, what's up? And you exchange two messages and they'll be like, okay, do you want to go for a drink? And then there's other people that you could talk to over text for like four weeks and they never ask you out. So I think it's just kind of navigating the online dating scene and then also kind of navigating going out and meeting people organically. And I haven't really found much success meeting people organically, but I also haven't found success online dating. So um, I think, yeah, it's just like you can chat to people and meet people, but I think it's really hard to make those connections. Like usually people just go to bars to like be with their friends or hook up. 
And so I've never really made a meaningful connection in a bar or a club in Toronto. And then when you have the online dating scene, like I've gone on a lot of online dates, um, not a lot of online second dates, but a lot of online first dates. Um, And yeah, I think it's just really hard. Like the people who I have clicked with um, and you like get along with really well, they're like, oh yeah, I'm not looking for a relationship. And you're like, okay, true. (laughs) Oh, okay. There's a lot to dive into there. <laughs> um, okay. What my first question, when you said that there's really different amounts of time that you talk to people before you meet them, do you feel like there's an optimal amount of time or amount of days or messages you should send with someone before you meet up in person or? Um, so yes and no. For me personally, I do like to have a little bit of banter before you meet in person, just to make sure that you have some level of compatibility and you're not just like going for a drink with somebody based on their pictures and like a, Hey, what's up? But I also have experienced like messaging back and forth with someone and having really great chemistry over text. And then you meet in person and it's really, really flat. So I don't know. I think it really depends on what you're comfortable with and who you are as a person. Like I know people who are just like, whatever, if I was in the real world, it wouldn't, we wouldn't be like texting for three weeks. We would just see each other at a bar and go up and start talking to each other. So why not do that for online dating? Um, For me, I just need a bit more um, to actually go on a date with somebody because I'm really busy. Um, I like like working out and I have a lot of friends and I don't want to just waste my time on random people from Tinder who are just going to (laughs) be a bad time. So you need to like prove yourself to me a little bit before I'll go for drinks with you. Yeah, I think that makes sense. So are you currently online dating or dating in general? Well, as I'm sure everybody knows, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. Um, But I was just kind of having a bit of burnout from social, or I guess app dating um, before this all happened. So about a month before we went into, um, I guess, quote unquote, lockdown in Canada, I deleted all of my dating apps because I was just over it. Um, It gets to a point where you see the same people over and over again. Like there's this one guy in Toronto who has been on the dating apps as long as I have. And I'm just like, no, like, I'm sorry. But like, (laughs) he keeps getting suggested to you over and over. (laughs) Yeah. And like, you can see his profile changes. Oh, no. His like first photo has changed in like, I would say the last couple, like, couple of months and so you're like oh okay who's this and you scroll down and you see like his old main picture and you're like okay it's still a no sir it's still a no um so yeah I just felt like really burnt out by it and I went on uh, the last date I went on was just bad like the guy showed up late I like arrived at the place where we were getting drinks he wasn't there he was like I'm sitting in the corner it turns out he went to the wrong bar like this is the worst Saturday night ever and so I came home and like warmed up pizza and I like looked really cute and had nowhere to go because I was supposed to be on this date and so after that I was like (laughs) that's it I'm taking a break and then the pandemic started and all of my friends were telling me about social distance dating and it honestly just sounded like all the worst parts of dating and none of the fun parts of dating so I'm not on apps right now but I'm starting to get a little antsy we're three months off and all I do in quarantine is like watch Netflix and a bunch of movies and tv shows of like people going on dates and having like cute little moments and I'm like oh, damn it really <laughs> yeah yeah watching all the watching all the romantic and, like, comedy TV shows and you're just like oh I haven't felt that way in so long I forget what it's like to have a crush on someone so I'm Oh, yeah. I feel like there's a lot of aspects of social contact that are missing during lockdown. Just like flirting, like what it's like to flirt. I love flirting. I I have a very flirty personality and it often gets me into trouble, but I often like to say that flirting is just my personality on steroids. Like I just am in my happy place when I'm flirting. (laughs) Okay. I have a question. So when you are in person at Mm -hmm. bars or clubs in Toronto, How often are people approaching people in person at bars and clubs or generally in public in Toronto and hitting on other people in person? Um, I mean, I think like a decent amount. Um, Like I said, I have a very flirty personality and 
Um, and so I would go out with my recruiting friends and we're just like a bunch of super outgoing girls. So we talk to people a lot of the time, which is super fun. Um, like guys, yeah, approach you as well, but I think, yeah, it's fairly standard. Like people approach you, you approach other people. Like when you're dancing at a club, um, like people will come up to you and like try to dance with you. So if you see, if you see a really cute guy in a bar, like you say, okay, I think he's the cutest guy. Do you go up to him and talk Uh, to him? Yeah, I have in the past for sure. Like, so uh, last year, the Raptors uh, world championships won the NBA finals, go Raps. And me and my friends would go to the bars to watch the games all the time. And I remember like the bars are packed. Like you're waiting in lines. You have to get there early if you want to watch a Raptors game in Toronto. And me and my friends would Mm -hmm. flirt with guys by like going and trying to steal their chairs so that we could have extra chairs at our tables. (laughs) And we ended up like joining our tables with guys and just being like, oh my gosh, hi, do you have other people joining you? Like, can we use this chair? And just like any excuse to go up to somebody and start a conversation, I think. So this is a good opener and I feel like watching sporting events is also a really great way to meet people or especially if you're a girl to meet guys because guys love watching oh yeah (laughs) like the Raptors finals honestly was some great wheeling time for me like do we say wheeling anymore is wheeling a word I always get self-conscious about that quick a quick side note for the non-Canadians wheeling is like what, how would you even explain it it's kind of flirting with yeah, someone it's like when you're like trying to yeah when you're flirting with someone when you're trying to hook up with someone or like date someone if two people are going out you wheeling. could also say they're yeah, wheeling so. I don't know I don't live there do people still say I it I tweeted it the other day because I watched we're too old we're too, too old to old. know the cool thing like, anymore do we say wheeling anymore does saying wheeling age me I'm unsure we'll have to ask my brother <laughs> definitely check in with him Okay, so there's at least two points that I want to come back to. Um, so maybe first, let's go back to the dating apps and the typical profiles of, let's say, guys that you meet in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Would you say, or could you name a couple of stereotypical guys that you would see on the dating apps in Toronto? For sure. Uh, number one is uh, guys who hold fishes, like fish. <laughs> This is such a it's thing such a when I used to be thing. single in Canada too. Yeah. It's so funny. You swipe through and it's like, what, every third guy is holding a fish? Yeah, it's so obnoxious. And I'm like, again, I grew up going... What are they trying to show with the fish? Uh, that they have a cottage. Like, I guess that's what they're trying okay. to show because obviously uh-huh. you want to have a cottage if you live in Toronto. Or, you- or they're just such a man, they can catch a really big fish for ugh, you for I dinner. don't even, ugh, like, why though? Do you think that you're impressing <laughs> girls? I mean, like, oh, look at this, like, bass that I caught in the lake. I don't know. The bigger the fish, the better, right? Small pond, big fish. (laughs) Lots of of fish in the sea. I mean, if you're holding a fish picture, you're probably a big fish in a small pond. So I don't think that there's a lot of um... Okay, so this classic Canadian... I think this is the classic Canadian guy. He's, you know, wearing the red and black lumberjack shirt. Yeah, holding a fish. Um, There's a lot of, like people who think that traveling is a personality like been to x number of countries hoping to tackle more it's mm-hmm. like I think that a lot of people who live in Canada or Toronto um we like we like traveling we're millennials I think that a lot of us value experiences over material things liking traveling is not a personality trait that's my PSA for this comes up a lot in Instagram bios too you know been to 34 countries and counting yeah like I don't that's great. Super glad. I love traveling as well. Um, but it's not a personality trait. So please calm down. Yeah. It's also kind of a weird, this is totally a side note, but it's a weird way to count how many places you've been as well, because you could go to all of Canada and the U S and that only counts as two countries. Yeah. But it's so many places, but it's so different. And I could go to Liechtenstein or Luxembourg. And those are countries, but they're like a tiny, non-remarkable 300,000 person town. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I think that like, obviously I like maybe travel isn't important to everybody there's definitely some people who don't like that but just people who have that as their only personality trait um that's for sure on there with the fish um and then are you still seeing those guys who love traveling in front of the sedated tigers uh I feel like tigers less uh more like elephant sanctuary pictures I feel like now which is 
better like I don't know if that's even good okay as long as they're not riding the elephants then I think it's okay yeah um but yeah I feel like those things and then like still I guess less so now because I'm 27 so the people who I'm seeing are in a later age category but earlier on it was very much like university like bro shots you know like me and all my friends at homecoming like look at how cool we are and I'm definitely guilty of that like as you know we went to um probably the most spirited school in Canada (laughs) I'll say but um yeah sure we can say that yeah so I feel like it was a lot of like oh yeah here's me and like my jersey where I played on the lacrosse team and you're just like okay but also Mm -hmm. guilty because I had my queen's cheerleading uniform pictures up there early days too so an interesting point that another friend of mine brought up um maybe you can confirm if you agree or not is that in he thinks in Toronto there's sort of two non-intersecting groups like on one hand you have the very artsy hippie people who live around let's say Trinity Bellwoods Park or sort of western I don't know western downtown and then you have the very corporate finance um what's it called not Wall Street but the Bay Street Street people who are very straight edge you know studying finance working finance etc and then there's not a lot of people in this middle zone Mm -hmm. who are like kind of not an extreme hippie and not an extreme finance corporate person. Do you also see that? Yeah. I mean, I've never really thought about it to be honest, um, that there is like no middle ground. There definitely is like the corporate Bay street, like dude who has like their picture in their suit and like all of that Mm -hmm. stuff on their profile. And then there's the more artsy people who live in the annex or like Bloor and Lansdowne and are kind of more into those scenes. So I definitely feel like there is a split. It just kind of depends on what you're looking for, I guess. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, And then in terms of quarantine dating, so we already touched on quarantine dating a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I I guess there are people these days who are doing video first dates and socially distanced walks. You said that you're not on board with this. You're not into it. Yeah, I'm not really into it. I mean, a lot of my friends have been doing it and we've been talking about it. So I know a lot of people have been doing Zoom dates. Um, But I just like don't really want any part of that, to be honest. (laughs) Like, I find it really hard to be like, okay, so we're going to Zoom chat for a couple of weeks and then we're going to go on socially distanced walk dates. But currently in the situation we're not really supposed to be bringing anybody we don't know into our circles and like there's so many question marks and I think that for people who are currently in relationships like quarantine has been a huge opportunity to like see if your relationship can stand the test of time and go to the next level I know a lot of people whose like relationships have been thriving and other people who are like this is really difficult and it's putting us to the test and so Mm. I think that I wanted to just channel that energy on myself and just be like okay I don't want to focus on dating at the moment I kind of just want to focus on making sure that like I'm in a good place um for myself that like when dating is something that will have some sense of normalcy to it that I'll be ready for it so I definitely think in the next couple of weeks I'll start dating again but I honestly just had no interest in it when yeah it definitely understandable for sure (laughs) yeah in terms of your friends, are most of them in relationships or are some of them single? Um, most of them are in relationships now. I think of my main girlfriends, I think that there's only one or two that are still single um, and both like late 20s, early 30s. Um, but at this point, like most of my friends are getting married. Uh, like one of my friends just like one of my best friends just got married um, New Year's Eve this year and had like a bunch of weddings coming up in 2020 that are obviously now canceled. But yeah, I'm like definitely one of the last single ones in my friend group. And I, yeah, I think when we talked a couple months ago, you, you told me how you were always hanging out with couples a lot, like being the the third wheel. Yeah. Um, 
And that was also a challenge for meeting people, maybe? Yeah, like maybe a challenge for meeting people. It's more so about like for me, I really love spending time with my friends and their significant others because like those are the people who I'm going to spend my life with, right? Like these are the people that my friends are choosing. So like I want to spend time with them. Um, It definitely does like, I guess, hinder you to meet people because all of my friends are coupled up and kind of their partners are also coupled up. So I'm just like the single one who's like bopping around. Um, But like, it doesn't really bother me too much anymore. Like I think it did before when I was feeling less confident about it. And I was like, Oh, like me being the only one who isn't in a relationship is a reflection of who I am. And it's not a reflection of who I am. It just is a reflection of like where I am in life and the path that I'm going on and so uh, recently one of my um, friends boyfriends they live in Australia and they came over for my friend's wedding and it was the first time that I'd spent like a good chunk of time with him and um, we're at the wedding and he was like Amy like how are you single you're honestly just like the most fun girl like I'm having so much fun with you how are you single and it just gave me like just that little boost of confidence that I needed to be like, yeah, right. Like I am a great person. I do have so much to offer. I just like, haven't met my person yet. And that's totally fine. Um, and I think that once you find that confidence within yourself to just be like, I know that it's not about me. Like I'm confident in who I am. I love who I am. And so I just haven't met the person that compliments that yet. And so I definitely was feeling super self-conscious about it. Like pre-wedding, I was super nervous to be the only single one there. Um, and now kind of looking back, I'm really happy that I took the time to really be confident in myself because I don't feel like that anymore. And I just think that it's going to be all the more special when I do meet that person, because I've had all this time to like, think about it and reflect about what I really want. Um, so yeah, I think, yeah, that's really good. Like, I think it sounds like you have a really good mindset about it now and like just being really open and positive, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of one of the reasons too, why during quarantine, I was so okay with just like, like I said, I deleted it pre-quarantine and I was like, okay, you know what? Maybe this is a really good opportunity for me to just take a break and reflect and get my mind straight. And then when the time is right, then it'll happen when it happens. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm sure it will. I think I've, I mean, you're my friend, but I think you're an amazing catch and a great girl. And I'm sure you'll meet someone awesome at some point. Thanks. I appreciate it. (laughs) Okay. So we talked a little bit about your female friendships, but I know you also have a lot of guy friends. And I think you've told me before that you've had some instances of guy friends kind of falling in love with you. Uh, I wouldn't say like falling in love with me. I would say... Or admitted some underlying feelings that you... Yeah. I mean, there definitely have been a couple of different circumstances. Like, me and one of my closest guy friends, um, (laughs) we have, like, never had feelings for each other. And he, like, straight up said to me one day, he's like, I'm really sorry, Amy. I'm just not sexually attracted to you at all. And I was like, man, same. Like, I don't feel like that about you at all. (laughs) But it's interesting to me that, like, most guy-girl relationships that I have, like, you have to have that conversation at some point to be like, hey, just so we're clear, like, there are no feelings here. But I guess, like, out of all of my guy friends, there's only a, I would say, two or three of them that we've never, like, even crossed that, like, flirty, like, is there or isn't there line. So... Yeah. I don't know. I think for me, it was things were easier. It was a lot more clear when I became friends with a guy when I already had a boyfriend, because then it was just very clearly like everything's off limits. We're very much just Mm -hmm. friends. I think there's more of a gray area when you become friends with someone of the opposite sex when you're single, because then it's sort of unclear if something more would develop. But I think it's really helpful. Yeah. If you're already in a relationship and then even if you break up with that person at some point the the opposite sex friends that you already have you kind of already established those boundaries and that nothing's really going to happen there yeah I mean I mean people could always try still later in time again when you're single yeah I was gonna say like one of my really good friends in university I remember um we like went up to a cottage weekend I was there with my boyfriend like a bunch of people were there with their like significant others at the time And, um, so I was there with my like university boyfriend and he was one of my best friends and he was like, oh yeah, like you and I should be together. I was like, 
I'm here with my boyfriend. Like, what are you doing? Like, what are you talking about? And I feel like it's really hard sometimes. I have had those conversations with guys where I'm like, okay, clearly something is here. Like, clearly we flirt with each other and like we're attracted to each other, but like you're not my person. So, like, why would I ever go there and like ruin our friendship? And have these guys been receptive to that and like having these conversations well with you? Yeah, for sure. Because I have to, I think, yeah, I mean, I think it's really awesome that you are having. Um, sorry, you're blowing. Oh, sorry. My- <laughs> it's my first time um (laughs) I think no I think it's really great to have these kind of explicit conversations but just thinking back to my life I don't think I've actually had any explicit conversations with opposite sex friends Mm -hmm. and like I think it's a good thing to do but I just never did it I don't know if I thought it would be too awkward or not worth talking about or yeah, I don't know. Guys are also really bad at talking about their feelings <laughs> yes. in general sometimes, even the ones that you are in a relationship yeah. with. So if you feel that vibe, you know, like you can kind of tell when somebody is flirting with you or you can kind of tell when somebody's motives don't seem super pure. And so when that kind of starts happening or I start thinking about that and like, oh, what's going on in this situation? Like, I don't feel like I can read it. That's when I start having those conversations, just being like, hey, like, do you ever feel like you would want to hook up with me like how are you feeling for me it's just a friend thing or whatever just like having those conversations because I really value my friendships with my guy friends and I'm really sad about the ones that have been lost due to like romantic or sexual feelings kind of getting in the way Mm -hmm. and so I feel like I've just started would you recommend it to other people to try to have those conversations with opposite sex friends and I don't know. Do you think it's something that people always need to bring up? If Let's say if you don't feel a sexual uh, attraction vibe or chemistry between you two, would you preemptively bring it up with someone? No, I mean, I don't think you need to bring it up with everybody. Um, like I said, if you, you can tell when someone is flirting with you, I think. You can tell. Yeah. Like, I think as a girl, you just kind of have a gut. You have like a gut when a guy wants my thought would just be that someone might get defensive. Like if you say, hey, I feel like there's something going on between us or there's something that between us or I feel that you're attracted to me, but I just want to be friends. I could see a defense mechanism being triggered totally. where they'd be like, no, like, no, I wasn't. You're imagining that. Like, no way. I just want to be friends. Yeah. I mean, I think you... It- like hopefully the more mature that people yeah. get, I think that seems more of like a middle school kind of thing to do. Yeah. I think that the way, honestly, that I go about it in most circumstances is by talking about an experience that I've already had to like check in on my other guy friend relationships that were like feeling weird. And so I was like, this happened to me and my friend came on to me and it was like super weird and I didn't feel like that. And like, sometimes it's really hard to have these kinds of relationships. And like with you and me, I feel like we can be really honest with each other. Like for me, it is like totally just a friendship thing with us. And like, I don't really want to go there. And I feel like we've talked about this, but like, is that still how you feel? Because like, I'm feeling insecure about my friendships with my guy friends right now because this happened to me. And so I was able to kind of like, by being vulnerable and talking about like why it made me upset or how it made me like feel like my friendships were devalued because they like added the sexual element into it. It allowed me to have those like open conversations with my guy friends and just be like, I just want to check in and make sure that we're okay. Um, and that like, we're still on the same page because like what just happened out of the blue really hurt me. And I want to make sure that like our boundaries are still okay. And like, we're still communicating because one thing that I learned, I would say, like in the last year of my life, um, like going to therapy and like talking to people is that boundaries are so, so, so important. And I'm a people pleaser. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like I let people cross my boundaries more because I just want people to be happy and to please other people. But that's just a disservice to myself. So I'd much rather just like create Mm -hmm. the boundaries and have the awkward conversation and then it'd be like weird for a week or two, then them cross a boundary that like I haven't clearly established and then me be upset about it. Yeah, I think that's a really valuable learning for people. And I think it it is a really mature thing to do and you have to really understand yourself pretty well and the situation and be confident enough to address that. 
Um, and I think another really good takeaway is to always do these kind of things with I statements, mm-hmm. like you said. So in any kind of conflict or awkward situation or when you're addressing something to always say, I feel this way. I feel that uh, this is how it makes me feel, yeah. you know, um, and not sort of accusing the other person of doing anything, but just explaining your side totally. of it and then asking them how to explain how they feel instead totally. of assuming. It's just like, I think a really good thing to reflect and look back on yourself and be like, okay, how did this make me feel? And how can I like act in the future so that people know how I want to be treated? And like, if they aren't treating me the way that I want to be treated, am I communicating that in an effective way? Yeah. And I agree with you. I think it's a natural thing that in male female friendships, there can be attraction that arises and either you can skirt around the topic and not address it and maybe just sort of flirt with each other, even though maybe one or both of you is in a relationship or maybe you're both single, but you don't know what it's going to be. But I think, yeah, it's really mature to actually address those topics, even if it's awkward and deal with it because it's normal. But as you said, if you set boundaries and you say, um, even if we're both single, you know, I really just want to keep this as a friendship and that's all I'm comfortable totally. with. And I think like, just to kind of wrap that up, it's like speaking up about something I feel like is the biggest show that you care. Right. So like, if you have feelings for mm. somebody telling them and acting upon it is because you want something to come out of that. And I feel like the flip side is mm. when you can feel that something is up, like when you feel like, oh, do they want something else out of me? If you actually want that relationship, if you actually care about that person, you're going to speak up about it because you're acting in a way to like preserve that relationship. So key takeaway, Amy, can girls and guys be just friends? Yes, totally. (laughs) Okay, I agree. But then my question is, if two people are both single and they're attracted to each other and they're friends and they get along, then why are they not together? Because like, you're not compatible in all ways of life. So like when I think about this person, I like have so much fun with him. We have a great time together, but like when I'm having a bad day, he's not the person that I want to talk to. Do you know what I mean? Like when Mm -hmm. I am having like issues with my friends or like my roommates getting on my nerves, he's not the person who I'm like, Oh my gosh, like talk to me and tell me about like how I should handle this situation. But like going to get a delicious dinner and a bottle of wine and like go dancing or go to a Leafs game or talk about politics or like complain about my job for sure. He's the person that I love doing those things with, but he's not like my support system. He's not somebody who I think would be my partner in life. And I'm just at a point in my life right now where that's what I want, like a partner in my life. And so, yeah, I'm attracted to him. Yeah. Yeah. I think we get along great. Do I think that we would be able to date for a short period of time? Yes. Do I think that it would be like a long-term, he should be my husband? No. So like, why would I risk having like a couple of months of sex to like ruin a lifelong friendship? I think, yeah. I mean, I totally agree with you, but I think that's super interesting because what that brings to mind for me is actually, and this is, you know, a whole nother box of worms that were can of can worms. Of worms. <laughs> can of worms. <laughs> a whole other box of worms that were open here. Um, but for me, that actually raises the question of do we put too much pressure on monogamy and on one person to fulfill all the needs that we have these days? Like we're kind of told in our Western society that your partner needs to be the person who you want to have dinner with and tell your emotional problems to and go drinking and dancing and, you know, do everything. Like we depend on our partners Mm -hmm. to fulfill us in so many aspects of our lives. And I'm not saying one is right or wrong, but I think it's a really interesting question to say, what if there could be multiple people that would fulfill those needs Mm -hmm. for you? So you have one person who is your emotional support system and you have another person who, uh, I don't know, does X, Y, Z for you. But generally, like I think people who argue for the benefits of open relationships or polyamory or whatever, they say, why should I put all that pressure on one person to be the perfect person mm-hmm. in all these buckets in my life when maybe I want to have, let's say, two or three people who really fulfill all those areas for me. But Totally. As so different people. have you ever listened to um, Esther Perel's podcast? 
you told me about it, but I haven't really listened to it yet. Yeah. So I'm sort of unfamiliar with her. I looked at her Instagram. Yeah. So cool. she is a relationship counselor um, and she deals with people who have cheated in their relationship. And mm-hmm. one of the things that she talks about is about how um, when we were developing as humans, we like were in tribes and there wasn't just one person that you would rely on everything for. Um, and like her biggest point was around childcare and how it's like, you wouldn't just be two people alone in a house caring for a child. It would be a bunch of people caring for a child. And so you would have all these different people to help you with all the different, it takes a village to raise a child. Exactly. And Mm -hmm. so it's like hard when you put all of that into one person. So like totally hear that. I think in terms of monogamy, though, like in our current society, I think like your expectations of monogamy um, have to be like more developed than what we traditionally think about of monogamy in terms of um, like one person being your everything. Like what I think about when I think of monogamy is like partnership and equality, especially being a woman, like that is really important to me. I really want to have equity in a relationship and partnership in a relationship, but some of that does come from emotional support. Like, do I need you to be my emotional support system for everything? No. And I think that we have friends like that too. If I'm having like a really bad day and I want to complain about work, like there's people who I talk to that about. If I'm feeling like Mm -hmm. shitty about boys, there's a friend that I talk to that about. If I want to talk to somebody about like um, what I talked to my therapist about, I have another friend that I talk to that about, right? It's like you have different friends for different purposes. Yeah, you have friends that you go to for different things. Yeah, exactly. And so I think that similarly for a relationship, you also have different people that you talk to about things, but it's like that one person who is your partner through it, who like supports you through it. And like Mm -hmm. with my friends who I'm like attracted to, I'm like attracted to them in that moment. And I'm like, yeah, we like clearly go off of each other really well, but like, I don't want to share like my highest highs, my lowest lows with you. Like you're not the first person who comes to my mind. Um, yeah. And so I think, I think that is a key thing for a partner. Like you want your significant other to be the first person that you're excited to tell good news to, or the first person when you have bad news that you go to, to have them support you or help you through it. Yeah, exactly. And so I think that that's more so what um, being in a monogamous relationship is, is like, who is that person who you want to share life with? Like, who is that Mm -hmm. person who, when you're like taking a really big leap or you've had a really big fall, who do you want next to you? And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, I still think that like, you need those other relationships. That's why I think it's so important to not give up all of your friends for a relationship is because you still need those people in your life. You still need, like, that's why everybody still needs to like have friends and like talk to other sources, you know? (laughs) And so you can't expect like a partner to be all of that in one person. But I do think that like what you want in a partner is not somebody who like you have a really good time, like drinking a bottle of wine and chatting with, but like, who do you want to talk about when those like crazy life moments happen like who is that person Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I agree for sure I think we've already gone for a little bit longer than we planned sorry for rambling for so long no no I think it was good um but I know you had one more horrible dating story that you wanted to mention yeah oh gosh do you remember new year's two years ago when I was on bumble and I matched with that guy who was really cute uh vaguely yeah okay and then I like talked to him over New Year's and then we went on a date and it was the worst first date that I've ever been on and multiple times through the night I should have left but I didn't and so I feel like you've told me about a lot of dates that were the worst first date ever (laughs) okay this one was actually the worst so um it was New Year's I had just sprained my MCL (coughs) so I couldn't really walk well um, but I was walking, like I would take the TTC, like a the perfect target. Yeah. I would, she can't run, I can't run away. So I would like take the bus to work because I wasn't allowed to walk to work, but I could still walk. Um, and so me and this guy are talking and the only red flag going into the date was that we were going for dinner, which is a weird first date. And I'm never going for dinner on a first date again, but yeah, that's um, another topic. That's another topic. Yeah. Don't go on dinner first dates. Um, but so he picked the dinner spot without just like checking with me first, you know, he was like, okay, we're going here. And, um, it was a vegan restaurant and like, I love vegan food. I'm a carnivore, but I, um, 
I like vegan food. I make myself tofu all the time and like love making vegan recipes, meatless Mondays, et cetera. But it's just one of those things, you know, it just feels courteous to check in with the other person when you both are going for dinner. Yeah, to just be maybe, like, yeah, maybe you're going to a steakhouse and the person's vegetarian. You should check. Yes, exactly. So it was just like, hey, like, are you okay with vegan? And I would have been like, yeah, of course. Um, and he didn't do that. So that was the only red flag going into this date was that he didn't double check on the dinner reservation. So we get there and, um, he is like late. So I order myself a drink and I'm just waiting for him. And then he gets there and, um, he's like, oh my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed. Like he was a vegetarian. So he's like, I never have this many options. Like, I don't know what to order. Like, (laughs) okay. Um, and then he like saw that I had a drink and he was like, okay, well, you're going to be drinking on your own because I don't eat and drink at the same time. Um, because it mixes the flavors. And I was like, oh my God, who are these weirdos who you're going on dates with? It was really hot. Okay. Like, (laughs) I don't eat and drink at the same time because it mixes the fl- like. Does he mean alcohol or mean any alcohol. liquid? Yeah, he just drinks water with his food. So then he's like, "Okay, I'm ready to order." The waiter comes over, I order, and then he's like, "Actually, no, like I'm not ready yet. Like it's still too overwhelming." I was like, "Okay." So mm-hmm. the guy comes back, whatever we order, we eat dinner. Other than that, like weird stuff at the beginning, it was fine. And so I've had a drink. He is completely sober. We finish our dinner and he's like, do you want to go for a drink? And I was like, okay, sure. Like other than those two things, wasn't that weird yet. And I'm like, the only thing is that I have sprained my MCL, so I can't walk that far. So as long as we go somewhere that's like in a close enough distance. And he's like, okay. So we're walking to the bar and every block, he's like, are you okay? Do you need to stop? I'm like, no, I'm fine. Like, I'll tell you when I need to stop, but I'm okay. And every Mm -hmm. block, he's like, are you sure you're okay? Do you want me to carry you? I'm like, no, I'm (laughs) fine. Like, I can walk. We're fine here. So we end up going to bar hop and the hostess is clearly distressed. Like, there's a lot of people. She sits us in a table near the back and he's like, we need to move tables. It smells over here. I'm like, I don't smell anything. He's like, no, we need to move. I'm like, can we not? Like, the hostess is clearly overwhelmed. There's a lot of people. There aren't any other tables. Like, let's just enjoy our beer. And this is where shit gets weird. So I am like, obviously this is a podcast. You can't see how I'm talking, but I talk with my hands a lot, like very expressive person, very emotive. And he's like, oh, you know, you talk with your hands a lot. And I was like, yeah, like, it's just kind of who I am, whatever. He's like, have you ever tried sitting on your hands? It's really distracting when you're talking. And I was like, um, pardon me like have I ever tried sitting on my hands and then I was wearing my glasses and he um I like put my glasses on my head or something like just was playing with them and then I did something to my eyebrow and he was like oh like you've done something can I fix your eyebrow right now because it was just like kind of up or whatever um these are the days before we had eyebrow gel and he's asking if he can fix your eyebrow and telling you to sit on your hands how rude is this guy oh my god the worst he was like oh yeah can I fix your eyebrow and I was like okay and then I fixed it he was like yeah sorry I just like it was so distracting I couldn't even look at it and then he was talking to me. He's like, was a lawyer. I went to law school and like, I went to grad school and he was like, yeah, well, I'm clearly smarter than you. Cause I went to law school and like, you went to grad school and law school is way harder to get into than grad school. And I'm like, go yourself. Like, why are you trying to compare oh how smart we are based on like, like what schools we went to or like got into or whatever. I was like, it's so stupid. Um, and then he paid for dinner. So I was like, get me out of here. I'm going to pay for drinks. And I bring out my wallet and he was like, okay, you need to justify why all of those cards are in your wallet because it's way too thick. And I was like, I'm sorry. Like I I have my driver's license, my health card, like my credit card, my debit card. He's like, you do not need to bring your health card with you everywhere. Like, I'm like, what? This is like the most judgmental guy ever. What the heck? It was so bad. Wow. Um, so yeah, like tells me that I should sit on my hands, like told me that he couldn't look at me with my distracting eyebrow, um, Dear God. criticized what was on in my wallet. And then he was like, oh yeah, I'm way smarter than you because you don't need A's to get into grad school. Like law school is way harder. I was like, 
fuck you. So then we leave, oh whatever, God. like hug goodbye, get on the streetcar. And he messages me after and he's like, hey, so like had a great time. You're super cute, really fun. I give you an A minus. Oh, he graded you. Who and I was does like, this guy think he is? The worst. And like, I was like, Honestly, if you think that this is some kind of joke about the conversation we had earlier about law school versus grad school, you clearly have no idea how to read people because I was not impressed with this conversation. So I was like, yeah, at least that would get me into grad school. Ha ha. Sorry, not interested in a second date. Stick a warning on these people. I wish you could go back on the dating app and leave him a review like future women beware. I know. And this is what I'm saying. Only red flag going into the date was that he didn't ask me if I wanted to help pick the restaurant. Only red flag. Have you, have you heard of this new dating app from Betches called Ship? No. It's the premise. I don't know how popular it is if, it, if there's enough people on it to get over the threshold where it would kind of work. But the premise is that um, your friends and family help swipe for you to help, like, help you find a significant other because <laughs> they're basing it on in history there used to be all kinds of arranged marriages or the family would play a larger role in picking a person's future husband or wife so mm-hmm. and then you know there's always those older people in relationships or who are married who never got to go on any dating apps and so they think they're like really cool and fun and they're you know they're always like show me show me your tinder how does it work um so this is like that everyone can download it and they can say, I'm swiping for Amy. And then they can go and say, Amy, and picked out five potential boyfriends for you. Oh, this is so funny. Yeah. I don't know if it's popular in Toronto, but you should look it up. Try it. Yeah, I definitely will. And, and then let is, me get it so that I can pick some boyfriends for you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I clearly am not having any luck on my own. So why not throw it to some other people to do some swear? <laughs> Me. Yeah, it takes the work away from you, right? Outsourcing. Oh yeah. Do you remember? <laughs> do you remember in um, undergrad when we used to like airplay our phones to the TV and we would group Tinder? Yes, I am ashamed to admit that we did this, but it was really funny. We would broadcast the phone screen so up there funny. and then group swipe together. Oh yeah, but that was like early days of Tinder. That was year one of Tinder being a thing. Mm. Previously, it was like you met people at a bar or you had to like stoop to the level of OkCupid. Okay. I love our conversation, but just to wrap this up since it's going super long, um, as a final takeaway, do you have any dating advice for our listeners given all of the bad dates that you've been on? And I guess you've been on many first dates in general. So what advice would you give to the the young and starry-eyed daters? Well, honestly, I think that the best dating advice is annoyingly cliche um, because it's just you need to be confident in yourself and like know who you are and what you want and what you have to offer. I think that like for me when I was in my early 20s I look back and cringe because I was a really bad drunk texter. I used to send the most embarrassing drunk texts. I remember And it's because (laughs) I wasn't yeah it was bad it was a bad time Um, but I think it's because I wasn't confident in like who I was or who I what I had to offer and I look at some of my friends now who are like oh my god he's not texting me like oh my gosh like what does this mean and it's like at the end of the day if you know that you have so much to offer and that the other person is lucky if they get to be with you then none of that stuff bothers you you just kind of have to be like I know who I am I know I have to offer and like if you recognize that and you want to be with me cool if you don't recognize that then like you're lost bye yeah I think it's like dating advice and life advice like it's a be confident with it's cliche and I feel like that's yeah. It's like, be confident with who you are and your quirks and weird parts about you is actually what makes you interesting and fun. So embrace those parts and don't, don't be insecure and don't try to be like other people, just be yourself. And I think that's actually a huge thing on dating apps. When I used to go on dating apps, um, I, if I would send the opening line to someone, I'd always try to say like the weirdest thing possible because that actually gets people's Mm -hmm. attention. And it's so boring to just say, Hey, how's it going? Hey, how's your weekend? Whereas if you say like, what do you like better llamas or penguins? Then people are like, okay, you're really weird, but maybe you're the same type of weird that they are. And maybe you're at least more interesting than a hundred conversations about how was your weekend. 
Oh, totally. Like one of my friends um, gave me her like dating app advice. And it's kind of the one that I have been using now. And it's like, it's like, you are the person who is interviewing these people to date you. Mm -hmm. So like, I kind of go into it and being like, okay, tell me about yourself. Tell me what is the last thing you did for fun. Tell me like your greatest adventure. Tell me all of these things. Like, because you are trying to impress me to go on a date with me. And I think that I'm awesome and I love who I am. So you are the one who has to like show me who you are. And so that kind of took all the pressure away from it because with Rumble and stuff, when you have to talk first, I was always like, oh, I don't know what to say. Like, what if I'm not funny, et cetera, et cetera. And then once I was like, no, like this is an interview for them to get to go out with me. Yeah, so you're not trying to impress them. It's like, okay, I mean, yeah. it's it's not like you shouldn't be grilling them as a formal interview. But if you feel no, like no. the pressure's off, I'm not trying to impress this person. Why don't I lo- just sit back and let them try to impress me? Um, yeah. And, or, you know, show me what they have to offer. Show me what their personality is instead of feeling yeah. so much pressure that you have to like perform. Yeah, exactly. So that would be my biggest piece of dating advice is, confidence and just like when you have true confidence in yourself and you really are like yeah no I know that I'm amazing I know that I'm awesome then you don't sweat the small things and you are able like you said to lean into your quirks and lean into who you are and I feel like that only shows the best version of yourself so true awesome well thank you so much amy it was lovely talking to you and i hope to talk to you again yeah for sure thanks so much for having me and hopefully we can come back for a follow-up once i get back on these apps post covid yes let's do it all right have a great rest of your day yeah you too bye That's a wrap. If you made it all the way to the end with us in this slightly longer episode, thank you so much for listening. As always, you can find the podcast on Instagram at Falling Hard Podcast. You can listen on Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. And if you liked this episode, please feel free to reach out and give me some feedback on what you thought or topics that you'd like to hear about in future episodes or leave me a review. And that's it. Until next time, talk to you folks later.